0: I was 19 when I was diagnosed, and so I was an adult at that time. So it wasn't like I was asking them for major help at that point. I was trying to take care of it myself and do what I can. After that first year of me being completely exhausted, depressed, I kind of just kept it to myself. I guess in terms of the mental aspect, that's probably the worst thing I could have done for myself, like just Mm -hmm. having that much exhaustion. And, you know, they got to see the frustration and anger aspect of it they didn't really get to realize where is this anger coming from? Is this me just being a jerk or is there something that prompted this? So I guess me trying to get involved and teaching them what to expect or how to best support me is where I want to go with this.
1: Welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, and I invite you to join us as we talk candidly about the emotional challenges of living with type one diabetes we'll give you actionable strategies to help you face these challenges head on, reduce your stress, and most importantly, live a full life without letting diabetes get in the way. Hey there, a quick question for you. Does type 1 diabetes make you feel stuck? Do you feel like type 1 limits you and makes it harder to do the things that you want to do? If so, I have a free guide that can help you get unstuck and become more flexible in your life with type 1 diabetes. To download your free copy, go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com backslash get unstuck. That's thediabetespsychologist.com backslash get unstuck. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at thediabetespsychologist for access to even more exclusive content. Hey there, welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. In this episode, I'm doing a coaching session with Alex. Alex has been living with type 1 diabetes for just over 10 years now, and he works as a physical therapist at Kaiser in Northern California. Up until recently, Alex has felt completely alone with his diabetes, and he had never shared his experience of living with diabetes with his family. Alex really wants his family to understand what it's like for him to live with type 1 diabetes and also understand how diabetes impacts his emotions and his behaviors. In this coaching session, we're going to explore some strategies that Alex can use to help his family understand what it's like for him to live with type 1 diabetes. Alex wants to explore how he can bring his family into his support circle so they can know how to best support him And so they can get some insight into why he acts the way he does sometimes. Alex also talks about his cultural background and how this has made it harder for him to share his experiences of diabetes with his family. Here's my coaching session with Alex. Well, Alex, I really appreciate you joining me today, and I'm excited to hear what's going on for you and what challenges we can help you with.
0: Yeah, super excited. Glad to be here. Appreciate all you do, for sure.
1: You bet. So let's start off with your diagnosis story and hearing about life with diabetes in the early, in the earlier years of, after your diagnosis.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I was diagnosed a little later in life. I was 19 years old. I was at my second year of community college at that time. And this was in 2010. I remember April 2010, I began feeling symptoms at that time. So I lost about 23 pounds in three weeks, was exhausted. Um, kind of studying for finals. That's what I thought was going on, but it was a different type of exhaustion at that point, as many people know with type one diabetes, uh, using the restroom a lot going, being extremely thirsty. And so finally went to the, my doctor, we got blood work done a urine analysis. And he came back a few days later, we got the results and everything. And he was like, Oh, you're a type two diabetic. And so, At that point, he gave me metformin and put me into a class to basically learn about type two diabetes. And it wasn't until I got to the class, the nurse educator pulled me to the side and was like, I think you're in the wrong class. I think you were misdiagnosed. Um, Let's make a meeting to meet. I'll set you an appointment for next week. Are you okay with that? I was like, yeah, absolutely. And so before we could even get to that meeting, I had to go to the emergency room because uh, I was taking the metformin and I was feeling better just taking that. But I assume that was due to me being on a honeymoon period at that point and essentially had my normal diet, normal food, didn't know anything about what to do. And so checked my blood sugar was at 600 plus, told me to go to the emergency room when we call the advice nurse. They gave me some insulin and then they also put me on uh, fluids at that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just remember specifically the physician being very uh, upset at me thinking that I knew I was diagnosed as a type one diabetic and I just decided not to pick up my insulin or anything, but I didn't know how to do any of that at that time. I didn't know I was going to be on insulin. I didn't know I was going to be giving myself injections or anything like that. So it was kind of an eye opener at that time, especially Being 19, just got out of high school in my second year of college and just having all these plans essentially, and then being completely depressed at that point and kind of thinking my life was over in a sense, you know?
1: Talk about a whirlwind. I mean, having both being, getting sick during finals week and then being misdiagnosed and then being sent to the hospital again and back and forth, man, that sounds exhausting. It was
0: absolutely exhausting, frustrating, kind of all of the above at that point, right?
1: It's important to note that your experience and your thoughts are like, I'm 19, I'm getting the diagnosis and my life is over. That's really normal. I also know that you know now that that's not actually the case.
0: Oh, yeah. Far from it at that point. And it's just funny, 10 years later, how funny it is looking back at that, thinking what my mindset was. But we go through those stages.
1: Well, yeah, especially when you get this news of, of a new diagnosis when you're not expecting at all. Yeah,
0: 100%. Absolutely.
1: So tell me about life with diabetes right now and um, how are you managing and How are you dealing with it? And what are the biggest challenges that you're having? Yeah. So right now I would say I'm doing
0: pretty well actually. This is the first year that I've kind of opened up about my diabetes. Uh, I hit my 10 year mark in May. So I think that's where I kind of started uh, opening up a little more. Basically it's going pretty well. My sugars are probably the best they've ever been at this point. Um, I've been active on Instagram, on the diabetic community, kind of just, Trying not to feel so alone and isolated, which I felt for ten years essentially,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, I've really opened up and kind of met some great people online. I haven't met them in person, but just seeing them going through the same struggles has been such a great opportunity for me and help has helped me grow so much. I've only known one person in person with diabetes, type one diabetes, and that was I've known her since elementary school, and she was the first person I messaged during when I got my diagnosis and has been a complete help, but I also haven't seen her in over 10 years, you know? So it was really nice opening up and kind of figuring out that there's other people going through this. And that's kind of helped me mentally as well as helped me find some secrets to kind of keep my blood sugars in check. So I was on Medtronic before, I just made the switch over to the Slim Dexcom combo. And, you know, everything's been solid since then. Better numbers, better time and range. So, I'm feeling really good about that
1: aspect right now. I'm curious to hear a little more about. You said for the first ten years you kept it to yourself and you kept it secret. Now, after ten years, you've opened up. What was it that prompted that?
0: Yeah. So, um, I, I I kept it a secret really early on because I was embarrassed. You know, I grew up in a Indian family, and it was one of those things that we don't talk about that kind of stuff. We don't. We hide that stuff. We don't share that we're not doing well and that goes physically mentally in the Indian household we don't really talk about mental health we don't talk about struggling with mental health and so I I think it's kind of my upbringing that we kind of kept it a secret I think once I kind of left the nest that's when I started opening up a little more but this past year has been even more so and I think that might having more time to myself due to COVID you know
1: Yeah, so there's a lot there that you just packed into that that answer, which I want to kind of unravel a little bit. One is just kind of coming into yourself and realizing that there's a whole world and a whole community of people with diabetes out there who want to support you. The second is your family and your upbringing and kind of in the cultural norms around having diabetes. And also one thing that people don't even think about is the mental health aspect of diabetes and really being not even aware. And also when you are aware uncomfortable or embarrassed around sharing that with your family. And then finally, which is another interesting twist is COVID and how COVID has been helpful, but also for many people, it's been challenging because it's left them alone and isolated in this process. But I think that today we really want to focus on your family. You mentioned to me before that you want to be able to be more open with your family. And so I want to talk a little bit about the challenges that you've had up until now and what's been most challenging for you in opening up to your family about diabetes and about the stress and about the burden and kind of the whole package? Where would you like to see yourself if you were able to be successful in this process?
0: The biggest challenge right now is I think just you kind of hit it, hit the nail on the head, Uh, getting my family involved in my care. And what that kind of means is what to do in certain situations, knowing how I react when I'm high versus when I'm low or when I'm having a bad night due to diabetes and how I'm going to react the next day um, mm-hmm. due to lack of sleep, burnout, et cetera. You know, yeah. uh, like I, said, I was 19 when I was diagnosed. And so I was a, an adult at that time. So it wasn't like I was asking them for major help at that point. I was trying to take care of it myself and do what I can after that first year of me being completely exhausted, depressed, I kind of just kept it to myself and mm-hmm. I guess in terms of the mental aspect, that's probably the worst thing I could have done for myself. Like just having that much exhaustion and yeah, just keeping it to myself and just feeling so isolated, you know, they got to see the frustration and anger aspect of it from diabetes, but they didn't really get to realize because I I put that on myself as well. I didn't really share that aspect of it. Where is this anger coming from? Is this me just being a jerk or is there something that prompted this? So I think anyone with diabetes can like relate that we have one bad night with sleep due to highs or lows all night. And then something that shouldn't be an inconvenience at all, it blows up to be the huge mess that it shouldn't be. And then once you start to get some rest, get your numbers under control, you feel guilty that that even happened. And so I guess me trying to get involved and teaching them, what to expect or how to best support me is where I want to go with this at this point.
1: In the 10 years since your diagnosis, when you're doing this by yourself, were you aware of the emotional and mental burden or was it something that you knew it, but you couldn't actually articulate it?
0: I don't think I knew it. So I I really don't. I was, I was in college. I knew I was going into the medical field. Um, I was, studying my butt off, essentially going to university, going, then I went to graduate school after got my doctorate. And so the whole time I thought the burden and stress was from graduate school or, you know, school. And I'm like, Oh, this is what everyone's feeling going through graduate school. This is what they told us to expect. Mm-hmm. But little did I know that this was superimposed on what I was feeling from diabetes. I would say burnout at times, but also, just the exhaustion of why did I have a bad night of sleep? Oh, I must be stressed because we have four tests over the next two weeks or something like that. So I can't say I really knew it was diabetes the entire time.
1: And your experience is not uncommon at all. And I think that for some people, they don't know that their stress is related to diabetes. They figure this is just how I am, or there's something else going on in my life, which is impacting this. The other part of it is, even if you are aware, there are lots of people who feel like they're the only ones who feel burnt out. And everybody else with diabetes is doing just fine. But I'm the one who's having anxiety or burnout or stress related to my diabetes. If I talk about that, that's going to make me different. And it's going to make people will think that I'm even more different. I already have diabetes, but I'll be even more different because I'm experiencing these challenges.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think on top of that is keeping it to yourself because you don't want to be judged about it. You don't want anyone to think like you're not trying your hardest or it's really easy for someone who doesn't have a chronic illness to say, Oh, you should be taking care of it like this. And everything should be rainbows and unicorns all day.
1: I always like to ask people the question though, your family doesn't have the tools that they need to support you. And you really want to be able to give them those tools. How is the fact that your family is having trouble supporting you Impacting your life? And how will having them be able to support you make things better for you?
0: I don't think it's affected my diabetes care mm-hmm. on its own, like my blood sugar is anything like that, from what I can tell at the very least. But it's left me very frustrated, not only with them, but myself, not being able to articulate what I want to tell them. Mm-hmm. And then just blowing up out of nowhere and them thinking, oh, this is his personality. But really, it's just me feeling mentally exhausted from diabetes and you know I, I i they get to see the frustration and the anger like i said before but they don't really know where it's coming from and i think mm-hmm. that's really impacting me and possibly like some relationships in my family where mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm being abandoned but i feel like this is something that's almost where it's i don't talk about it because i feel so guilty about how much I've blown up in the past when having a bad day with it and them having no clue that this was a Diabetes related incident, and I wouldn't have probably blown up had I had a better night of sleep, had a better night of management, or something
1: like that. What I'm hearing from you is actually two things, and they're a little bit different. One is you want to be able to give your family the tools and the information they need to be able to support you. But just as importantly, or maybe even more importantly, you want to be able to articulate to them what's going on for you, regardless of how they respond. Yes, you can give them all the information and all the tools and everything that they need, but they may either not have the ability or the interest in helping you. And I know if that's true, that's sad, but at the same time, you have control over yourself and you have the ability to articulate and lay it out in the way that you want to. And if you're able to do that, I think that's a big victory. And if they are able to respond in the way you want them to, that's even better, but you can't control that.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. I I agree. You you said exactly what I don't think I did say, but was on my mind.
1: What have you done so far with your family to deal with this challenge? Do you have any examples that you can give around how this challenge has played out in your family life?
0: Yeah. So overall, like I said before, the past 10 years, I really haven't done much to do that, to kind of facilitate that change or that conversation. It's been mostly me just lashing out, kind of being frustrated, not being able to articulate why. And then, like I said earlier, this earlier, I I think this year has been a big one of growth for me because I have done a lot more in terms of trying to do so. I think joining the online community has helped me with ways to articulate what I want to say to people who are going through the exact same thing. And my family does see, let's say my Instagram or my Facebook. And I remember my first time posting, they were like, I didn't know it was that hard. I didn't know it was that. And I was like, whoa, I I just wanted to kind of put this out there for everyone else, but I didn't expect you guys to be, I guess, open their eyes to it essentially. Uh, I didn't expect to get that response. And that, that was a huge one. So I think over the past six months, I've seen some progress on that end. And that's been helpful. They've been asking a little more about it, mm-hmm. but then it goes back to me not being able to articulate or not wanting to feel. Like they're giving me pity or anything like that at the same time, because this is something I've taken care of for 10 years by myself. Me asking for help right now feels so bizarre to me and feels so foreign that I'm just really uncomfortable doing it. Yeah. So essentially like that has helped quite a bit, a lot more than I expected it to. I, I actually made the effort to uh, watch with my mom, uh, the documentary Blood Sugar Rising. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you've seen that. Yeah. Okay. It sounds like mm-hmm. you have. I've seen it. yeah. And uh, it was my first time watching it, and it was kind of nice, like her being able to see what what a type one diabetic does have to think about throughout the day. And mm-hmm. it was nice; it was kind of a cop out because I didn't have to articulate it myself, but I was able to kind of show show her without me actually having to tell her mm-hmm. that way. And I think that was more so kind of a stepping stone for me to be able to do it because at the end of it, I was like, Hey, like, do you have any questions for me or anything like that? Like that didn't make Mm -hmm. sense in that. And she, she didn't have any, because we kind of paused during, and like, we would talk about it. And she was like, is that what you're feeling? And I was like, yes, that's exactly what I'm feeling. And so that was honestly more helpful than I thought it would be as well. And then like on Chris, so one thing that happened on Christmas, I had a severe low that essentially, I, I almost passed away at that point. It would have been one of those if she wasn't in the house. Mm-hmm. She, I, I don't know if I would have been here today. And I was on the floor and uh, she was able to, I was able to come to, to be able to direct her. And her seeing that, although it was a really unfortunate event and really scary event, that kind of opened the door as well to this can get serious. This can get really bad. And I need you to know what to do. And that not only opened the door with my family, but my coworkers, my bosses as well. I told, I told my bosses about the story and they're like, and I was like, I think we need to make a plan. And they were like, you're absolutely right. We do. And the beauty of it is we work in a hospital, but at the same time, people get busy and that rapid response doesn't occur as quickly as it should. So they were like, we need to know what to do. So that's something I'm speaking on during our staff meeting next, essentially.
1: So. I know that your parents are divorced and so your mom and dad aren't living together. And it sounds like your mom, just by giving her some information, and allowing her to observe without you having to talk necessarily, but see what you'd go through and also maybe get some outside resources has been helpful. What about with your dad? Yeah. So that's, that's been a tough
0: one for sure. My dad and I already have a rocky relationship and when I was 19, so I got diagnosed and you know, the first thing that was said, it wasn't comforting words or anything like that. It was, what did you do? Mm-hmm. Like, what did you do to cause this? And I was taken back by that by far. And it was the next question was, so what's this mean? You're going to get fat at that point. That's when I realized that's not a conversation I want to have with him. And I don't think I would get the support I need on that sense. Just him. We're, we're Indian family. And like I said before, mental health isn't something that's talked about. He was born in India. He was raised very differently than I feel like, I've grown up. So it's something that he feels like we shouldn't be talking about, or we shouldn't be like, you should be strong. You should be able to take care of this. You're strong. You could do this kind of thing. It's not, how can I support you?
1: Do you want to get support from him?
0: I'm not sure at this end just yet. I don't know if I'm ready for that conversation with him. I think it's more so I I don't see him very often either. And and that's probably has to do with the reason why um, the past events with that being one of them and just, not having a great relationship overall. But uh, I think my biggest now is to, I guess, connect more with my mother and my siblings about it Mm -hmm. at this point. And then I think the next step would be salvaging that relationship with my father and then teaching him how he can support me rather than making it all sound like it's my fault, something I did to cause all this.
1: Well, you started off your relationship with diabetes and him on the defensive. Yes. I can see in your face that you get kind of clenched up because you're, you feel like you have to protect yourself and defend yourself against, it's just misinformation. 100%,
0: yeah. yeah. And, I, and another part, actually, now I thought about it, even like a year after that incident happened, like my insulin pump came, like fell out of my pocket while I was sitting down. And the first thing that was said was, oh, you still have diabetes? And it's like, oh, all right. I, I see where there was no attempt to figure out what this was or anything like that. So at that point, it was just, no, I I don't think this is where I'm going to be getting my support from at this point.
1: Well, I think that's an important thing to recognize and to be okay with and to know that maybe in the future you can, and maybe in the future with him, what he needs is not any, not any information about the emotional burden of diabetes, but just starting off with what is type 1 diabetes and how is it managed?
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's eventually where I need to go with it for sure.
1: Because without that baseline, you can't educate anybody, any family member about anything that they may not understand, the like burnout or anxiety, because it's gonna fall on deaf ears. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Yeah. So tell me about what life will be like if you're able to get support from your mom and your siblings, how will things be better for you with your diabetes?
0: I, I think that would help me greatly because, you know, I get really frustrated with myself when I do lash out. And it's one of those where it happens, you feel guilty after once everything's kind of calmed down and your sugars are under control, you get some rest. Mm-hmm. And then you feel guilty saying sorry, or you want to just kind of brush it under the rug and not really address it. Yeah. And I, I felt guilty for so many years doing this. And you you think by now I would be willing to change that behavior, or which I am obviously now, but it would happen over and over and over again to where you just feel this tremendous amount of guilt you know they so they support me they absolutely do but with every endeavor i've had like my mom's been the first one there my siblings have been the first one there to kind of just kick butt for me and see what i needed but this is this is one of those things that like you asked before did i know this was diabetes related now i'm figuring out all those times probably were diabetes related and i if i didn't know that myself how would i expect them to know that or expect them to figure that out so i think It would take a a lot of guilt off my plate and a lot of frustration in terms of not being able to articulate what I want to say or let them know how I'm feeling and kind of help me open that up in
1: that end. You mentioned before that you don't necessarily know how to articulate what you want to tell them. But since we're among friends here, everyone listening to this podcast has diabetes or has some relationship to diabetes. Maybe you could tell us here what you want to say. And maybe that will help me to kind of give you some framework that you could help you think about how to say it to them, someone who may not have as much of an understanding.
0: Definitely. Yeah. So I think the first thing would be, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry for lashing out. I'm sorry for things that I've said when I was going high, lacking sleep on that end. I can be a tough person to manage on that end. I completely, I see that 100%. And I think anyone with type 1 diabetes or any type of diabetes can I see that and see that in themselves that when they're high or low, they're not great people to be around sometimes. I think that would be the first thing I say is like I understand that this can be difficult. I lash out and I promise it's nothing personal at you guys. It's me just dealing with my chronic illness and knowing not knowing how to articulate myself on that end. I think what I would want to say is, kind of teach them how to, what trigger signs, what signs that show up essentially when I am going high or when to ask me, how How have you been today with your blood sugars versus one of those where it is an actual issue, not diabetes related. And then they ask me and then it's almost like a cop out like, oh, you must be high today. You must be low today. You must've got bad sleep. You know,
1: one of the biggest challenges that I see in my work as someone with diabetes who works with people with diabetes is that the difficulty explaining to people, even the people closest to us, what those feelings feel like. Like I can explain to you the symptoms of a low blood sugar and I can explain to you the symptoms of a high blood sugar, but until you're actually in the body of someone with diabetes going high or going low, I'm not sure they're really ever going to understand exactly what that feels like and why that causes People lashing out, people withdrawing, people shaking and not being able to talk straight. That's a tough thing to be able to explain to someone. But I also think that what you just said, uh, being able to say, I'm sorry, that not only comes from you, but I think that would be really helpful for them with a little bit of uh, explanation as to why things are happening. If they think to themselves, Alex is just always moody or Alex is always just lashing out, then you become someone they don't want to be around. But if they are able to understand you lash out, but the reason why you're doing that is because your blood sugar is high and you don't feel well, then that gives them some comfort to know that it's not them and you're not a mean person, but you have something else going on. While I see that can be vulnerable, I think that having them understand what that feels like to the best of your ability could really help them to be more helpful and also compassionate with you when that does happen. Not that I want to encourage you to continue lashing out, but to understand why it's happening, I think for them could be really helpful.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. It's terrifying to think about, to be completely honest, just being that vulnerable. But it's something I'm willing to do at this point because I, a tremendous amount of guilt I feel when I do lash out, let's say even hours or days later is just, it it takes a toll for sure.
1: And giving them that understanding can help them to maybe even call you out on that and say, Hey, are you lashing out because I did something wrong because you're in a bad mood or because your blood sugar is high? Any of those answers would probably get a different reaction from them. Yeah. Yeah. My, my guess and my hope is that if you say my blood sugar is high, that one will get the most compassionate reaction and say, Look, what right. can we do to help you bring your blood sugar down? And how can we support you through that? Right. right. No, I think that's on on that end. You also talked about how you watch Blood Sugar Rising with your mom, which I think is awesome. And you guys paused it and talked about it kind of throughout the process and she's very open to it. Have you ever had her listen to this podcast? I have not,
0: no. Um, you know, I just discovered it recently like we were talking about before. Yeah. And I I don't think that thought has actually ever come to my mind to have her listen to it or have my siblings listen to it just just so they could kind of learn a bit more about what I'm feeling, but.
1: And not necessarily this episode, but just, right. you know, the episodes on burnout and anxiety and stress and low blood sugar, giving them that information, whether it's you giving it to them or having an outside source, like this podcast or beyond type one, giving them the information could be really powerful, especially since you see that your mom was just so open to absorbing it.
0: Yeah, no, I, that's something I'd absolutely be open to just, showing her even when this one is posted or not, when eventually I'm ready for that aspect
1: of it. You can give her like links to episodes that are not you hearing somebody else talk about burnout and saying, wow, is that something Alex is dealing with? And I wonder if he is, how can I best be supportive? And that can open up a conversation between you and her between you and your siblings about how you can work together to support you and your diabetes.
0: Yeah, no, that's just hearing that is actually getting me excited thinking about that possibility for sure.
1: And also, I think it would be really helpful to give them information about what having high blood sugar feels like and what having low blood sugar feels like, both from a management perspective so they can understand how to support you in emergency situations, of course, but also just to to realize that diabetes is not as simple as taking a pill or taking an injection every day. It Not only does it involve a constant mental gymnastics, but it also involves sometimes, even though you're doing everything right, feeling pretty awful. We've all been there. And to have someone get as close as they can understand what it feels like to have high blood sugar, not that we would wish that out anybody, but to have them understand that, I think could be valuable in helping them to support you better.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I think one thing that comes up with that is what I'm concerned about is, I, let's say I do that. This is me not being in the moment, essentially thinking the little what if and me providing these resources and them not reading them or not you know, I can see myself getting very frustrated or very, uh, at that point, probably withdrawing again, to be honest. And so I think that's a concern on my end as well.
1: But that comes back to what do you have control over. Right. You ha- You have control over offering the resources and saying, here's some information I'd like you to know about me to help you better understand what I'm going through. They can take them and absorb them. They can throw them in the trash and delete them off their computer. And you have no control over that. But I think it's most helpful for you to take the proactive step and giving them that information, because if you don't, one, it's going to be a whole lot harder for them to give you the support that you need. And two, you'll never know whether they're going to be receptive to it or not. If fear of them not being receptive to it actually prevents you from even giving it to them in the first place, you close the door before the possibility has even been there. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's spot on. Yeah. I wouldn't really worry about the outcome. You can certainly hope for a good outcome and hope they will absorb it and be receptive to it. But even if they're not, you can say, I've done my best to give them the what they need. And that goes for your dad as well. When you're ready, there's a good possibility that he may not be receptive to it. I don't know. But whether he is or not, it's kind of irrelevant because you are empowered to give him what he needs. And then it's his responsibility to take it from there. And that's not anything you have control over.
0: Right. Right. You're saying it exactly as it is. And that's exciting, but frustrating at the same time.
1: It's not the best news. I hope it's empowering news just to think. So often, we want to be able to control what other people do. I certainly do. But I realize on a regular basis that I have no control over my wife or my mom or my friends. Like they're going to do what they want to do. But I have the ability to approach them and give them what they need information, feedback. And what they do with it is up to them. I go from the perspective that I've done what I can. I've come more than halfway and now they've got to take it if they want to. But if they don't want to, I have still accomplished my goal, even though the outcome of the goal wasn't exactly what I was hoping for.
0: Yeah, no, that's reassuring to hear. Absolutely. Scary, but yeah, no, reassuring. reassuring.
1: Yeah, it, it's not promising a good outcome, but it's promising that you take those steps, even if the outcome is unknown or may turn out in the way that you don't want it to.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh-huh.
1: So let's wrap up here and summarize where you can go from here. I think that we have a couple of different categories. One is recognizing who you want to approach for support and being okay with recognizing that some people may not be in a place where they can provide you that support to do it. As long as you're making that decision consciously to not do that, especially with your dad right away. Yeah. The the second thing is providing them all of the resources that you can, whether it's this podcast or whether it's um, articles or blogs or getting them on Instagram and having them follow some folks, give them the, the opportunity to see what's going on for you and then to be able to answer questions for them if they come up and if they bring them to you. And the third thing is being able to say that you're sorry. And I think that you actually articulated it very well, but changing your perspective on why you're saying you're sorry. Certainly you're saying you're sorry because of the guilt that you feel. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a really legitimate reason to apologize, but also as a way of explaining your behavior and to give them some more insight into, you know, it's not Alex being a jerk. It's Alex having high blood sugar, and that's really causing this. And by doing that, that gives them the opportunity to learn more about you and your experience and then be more supportive and compassionate towards you if that's happening. At the same time, opening the door to allow them to ask you questions and to call you out. Is your blood sugar high or are you being a jerk? And you can answer honestly, and then their reaction will likely follow what your response was.
0: Right. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, that's really exciting. I'm honestly really excited to start that and kind of follow up on that and keep, start the steps to do so. Awesome.
1: Well, Alex, I really hope this was helpful for you. And I look forward to hopefully having you back on the podcast in a couple of months to hear how things have turned out for you and how this process has played out in your family.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for having me. I appreciate it so much. Thanks for hearing my story as well.
1: I always love hearing from my listeners. To get in touch, you can find me on Instagram at the Diabetes Psychologist or send me an email to mark at com. You can also find me on the web at thediabetespsychologist.com. That does it for this episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. If you like what you heard and this was helpful for you, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating and post a review on iTunes. That helps me get the word out about this podcast so that as many people as possible with type 1 diabetes can benefit from it. And be sure to tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. Thanks so much for listening. For more resources, you can visit www.thediabetespsychologist.com and be sure to sign up for the email list for access to exclusive content. I'm Dr. Mark Heyman, And tune in next time for the latest episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast.